and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A blessed quinquagesima to each and every one of you, the last of the Sundays of pre-Lent. This next Wednesday at our Ash Wednesday services, we will receive the ashes upon our foreheads and we will remember those sobering words and hear them. Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Not only will we ourselves receive these ashes, but so will our spouses, our children, and others who we know and love. It's a poignant reminder that we are all dust indeed. Our lives are temporary, fleeting, and fast. Our possessions really aren't ours. Whatever status we might have achieved doesn't remain. We're dust. And it's the same for those we love the most, just as it is the same for those we love the least. Even our enemies are but dust, here today and gone tomorrow. As are the lives of the famous and the nobodies, the great and the small. We live for a breath, and we return to the earth. Our souls must give an account to God. But isn't it our very nature to be blind to this fundamental reality? To be blind to something that could not possibly be more obvious, our mortality. But who lives each day as if it would truly be his last? Who thinks and acts as though his eternal judgment could come this very night? Who lives and orders his life with God and the things of God as the only things that matter? In our gospel text, we may see only a simple story of a blind man being healed But then again, if that's all we see, it's we who are blind. The delightful irony of the events that St. Luke puts together for us is that it's actually the blind man who sees and the seeing who are blind. That's the title of my homily today, that the blind may see. Luke tells us that Jesus took the twelve and said, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And everything that is written about the Son of Man in the prophets will be accomplished. What is Jesus doing? He is seeing his life and the events of his life in the light of the scriptures. And so he sees that going to Jerusalem means going to the cross, to be handed over to the Gentiles, to be mocked and shamefully treated and spat upon, to be flogged, and ultimately to be put to death. And yet, also, as those prophetic scriptures say, on the third day, to rise. The disciples, we're told, don't understand any of these things. Why? 
they were not perceiving their lives and the events of their lives in the lamp and light of God's word, but rather by their own human thinking. So they were blind to the passion and crucifixion that was to come. Indeed, they were blind to their own great need for our Lord's death, as well as this greatest of all needs that we human beings have. They could not then see who Jesus truly was or why it is that he had truly come. They could not see the absolute necessity of his suffering and death, that he might make atonement not only for their sins, but for the sins of the whole world, that the world might be again reconciled to God, that all who are dust and fall into dust might rise to life once more. Our Lord's saying was hidden to them, and they did not grasp what was said, seeing they were blind. And ironically, it's the blind man who sees. He sees what neither the disciples nor the crowds could see. He sees according to the lamp and light of the scriptures that this Jesus of Nazareth is Jesus, the son of David. And that is the scriptural title for the Messiah, the one who is entering Jerusalem in order to be enthroned. And perhaps even more poignantly, this man saw Jesus as his only hope. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, he said. But some in the crowds rebuked him and told him to be quiet. He cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And hearing him, our Lord stopped. And he commanded that the blind man be brought to him. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And here we have a rather brief and yet profound lesson in prayer, to pray unceasingly, to pray even when others rebuke you, and even when your need is quite obvious, to make it known unto the Lord. Lord, let me recover my sight, he said. Recover your sight, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. Or perhaps more accurate to Jesus' words, your faith has saved you. It's not merely this man's physical eyes that are given to see. With the eyes of his faith, he sees who Jesus truly is. The blind man saw what the seeing could not. Are we willing to acknowledge our spiritual blindness? Are we willing to cry out to Jesus, present tense, Son of David, have mercy on me? Are we willing to pray even when we get rebuked? To sing even when the government forbids it? Are we willing to receive him of whom the scriptures speak, and to be conformed into his 
image, even if that means the antithesis of our earthly dreams. For the son of David does indeed go to Jerusalem to be enthroned, but he is treated shamefully, and we can assume that we will be as well. He is cast out of the city, just as we can assume will be cast out of culture. He is beaten, spat upon, flogged, and yes, he is enthroned, but enthroned upon a cross. And yes, the son of David is crowned, but crowned with thorns. The mocking sign of ridicule above his head is ironically true. This is the king of the Jews, which also means that this is the son of David, the Messiah, and the Savior of the world. One drop of his divine blood cleanses you of all your sins. One drop from his chalice to your lips, and you are filled with his life. The blood of God drips from thorns, from nails, from wood, falling into the dust that we who are dust might be brought back to him. Remember that you are dust, but from the dust you will return. If we will allow ourselves to be beggars, we will hear his voice. If we acknowledge that we are indeed blind, from him we will receive our sight. And by the light of his cross, we will behold the glory and the steadfast love and the tender mercies of our God. In one of his homilies, an early church father, St. Gregory the Great, put it this way, let him, therefore, who recognizes his darkness and the need of eternal light cry out with all the desires of his heart and with all the fervor of his soul, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. As Lent draws near for us and as we remember our Lord's passion, let us heed the words of this church father. Let us see ourselves as we in fact are. Let us recognize our darkness and cry out to Jesus unceasingly. Let us not care what the world thinks or says. Let us close our ears to the world entirely and lift up our voices to the compassionate one. When Jesus said to that man, recover your sight, your faith has saved you. It's as if he were saying to you, I am now enlightening your eyes and healing your perception and filling you with understanding. Not because you've made yourself worthy or deserving, but simply because you asked me, because you trusted in me, and therefore saw in me what I truly am, your eternal Savior and your everlasting friend. My brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus is, in fact, 
risen. He will hear our prayers and have mercy upon us. He will speak to us and take away our sins. He will heal us and remove our blindness. He will prepare us for that great and awesome day when we shall see him, no longer in a mirror dimly, but face to face. And we will not be afraid, for he has loved us more than mother and father, more than spouse or friend. His love excels and transcends all other loves, and his mercy endures forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise.